A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So, whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Wrestling Mindset. I'm Gene Zanetti, your coast-to-coast mindset coach with the number one wrestling-specific mindset program anywhere in the world. Today we have the top 10 best stories from Wrestling Mindset. Maybe not the top 10, but 10 of the top stories that we have from Wrestling Mindset. Uh, lessons that were learned, um, things that we could improve on, and you know, just overall things that you could incorporate to your wrestling right away. So the first one, story about Ray Jasikoff, one of our wrestlers who worked them a few for quite a few years now, um, just became just graduated NYU. NYU's number one wins leader um, of all time. Story goes back into high school, and we talk about um, being on top. One of our lessons on top is don't change your ride. I mean, like nine out of ten times, you shouldn't be changing your ride given different situations. And what I mean by that is, especially in New Jersey, this is a high school story about him now. Now, if you know about New Jersey referees, they really don't let you ride on top. And in the third period, if you're up by a point or two, they're actually looking to bang you with a stall call, as um, what happened to me in my senior year of high school. I was up 6-3 with 26 seconds left in the match, got hit with my first stall call while being on top, and then proceeded to get hit another four times with stalling, another three times with stalling in the last... 26 seconds. So four stall calls, 26 seconds. I was still on top, wound up losing the match 7-6 because that fourth stall call is two points. So um, what we talk about is changing our ride. Now, now an important thing with that match that I should say about myself is that I was riding pretty tough with legs that whole match, or at least in the third period I was riding with legs, and then the clock starts getting lower, about 30 seconds, I start dropping to the ankle. I start grabbing the ankle, doing um, the, the Seeger ankle lock, right, which is kind of like a figure four you do with the legs. You shoot it, you shoot a half Nelson uh, while his leg is crossed over his other knee. So uh, nonetheless, I was very good at that move. It's not, It wasn't a move that wasn't typical for me, but I went for that move. And in other words, changing up what was working well for me, which is having a leg in on top and wound up getting hit with those stall calls wound up losing. But what do you go back to but me changing my ride because of the time? So I was letting outside factors play a role in how I was riding. Short time, right? Um, another good example of this I could think of is my brother Greg. When he wrestled against Iowa State, Tanner Weatherman, several-time national qualifier, um, they were wrestling at the rack. Greg was beating him by a point, riding tough with legs also, and then 10 seconds left in the match, they go out of bounds. We're up by a point, we're on top, and instead of 
getting back to you know that spiral and getting that leg in, which was working for him the whole time. Instead, we change our ride. We drop to an ankle. Kid gets out, brings it into overtime, takes us down. And where does that where does that bring us back to? But the same lesson: we're abandoning what's working for us because there's short time on the clock, right? Now let's go to Ray Jazz. So we we always talked about this lesson with him that if he's in any kind of matches and, and people tend to do this in bigger matches if you notice Greg was wrestling at the rack against one of the top ranked guys in the country uh, me I was in the state quarterfinals right so people tend to change and do impatient things like that in quote unquote bigger matches that's why we don't want to look at matches as bigger or smaller treat them all the same right but if we're not mentally trained we tend to change in those kind of moments. Okay, so Ray is now in the county finals against the kid who took second in the state the year before. Now, at this point in time, Ray never made the state tournament. He's going against the guy who took second the past year. We're on top. We're up by a point. We get hit with stalling because we're in New Jersey and refs don't let you ride on top. And you wonder why, you know, the Pennsylvania guys are just, you know, dominant on top in, in high school compared to, you know, a lot of times New Jersey guys, well, because they let them ride a little bit more. Anyway, that's a little sour grapes there. But nonetheless, uh, Ray's winning. He's up by a point, 45 seconds left, gets hit with his first stall call. And I think he was doing like a tight waist and a chop arm. Uh, a lot of guys, given that match, county finals going against the guy who took second in the state the year before. Neither of those factors have anything to do with the match, by the way. But a lot of guys let that creep into their mind. Ray remembered the lesson and got right back to the ride that was working for him. Did not change his ride. Stayed stubborn on top, back to that tight waist, back to that chop, kept wrestling, wound up wound up holding him down for the next 45 seconds, winning the match. Big upset in the state finals. Why? He didn't change his ride. He didn't let outside factors dictate the way he was wrestling. Even if we do have real bad reps in New Jersey with um, with wrestling on top, not, not all bad reps, but on top they don't let us ride, so we don't care about that. Focus on doing what you do, right? Do what you do. Don't change. So Ray did that, and he wound up winning. It was a great story. Excellent one. Uh, pulling off, you know, pretty big upset, and then wound up qualifying for the States that, that year. St. Cloud State. Interesting thing with St. Cloud State. So we've been speaking at the National Wrestling Coaches Convention in Florida, which happens every summer, um, either the last month of July, the last week of July, or the first week of August. We've been speaking there for the past six or seven years, I think, this is the seventh straight year. Well, it was the first or second year that we were there and um, gave our presentation about mindset training. And then we wound up seeing the St. Cloud State coach while I was out having having pizza, right? Out having pizza. This is after the convention was over or in between maybe the sessions. I'm out having pizza. St. Cloud State coach was sitting over there, came over to me and said, hey, we really liked your presentation. We really want to get, we really want to bring you guys in, get you involved with our team for this upcoming year. And, um, okay, sounds great. We'd love to do it. We'd love to help you, Coach. And started working with them. Uh, first year, I think they took second or third when we worked with them. And, you know, it is a process. Sometimes sometimes the success happens right away. We've seen that. But often, it takes more and more time. Now, Steve Costanza was already doing a great job at St. Cloud State. You know, first year, I think we took second or third in the NCAAs. Uh, the following year, we had, an NCAA, we had an NCAA championship as a team. It was awesome. So the second year that we're working with them, they're NCAA champs. And they had an individual national champ with Tim Prescott. The following year, great story with that. So now we've been working with them since then. 
Great story with that. Again, they win the, the, the third year we're working with them also. So now they repeat it as national champions. Now that's a tough thing to do because there's, there's two different challenges there. Getting that first national t- title, the mindset people tend to think is, am I capable of winning? Am I good enough to win? And then the second year, after you're a national champs, you have a new mindset struggle where it's now you start thinking, I have a target on my back. Can I do this again? All these expectations are on me, right? The first year, you don't have those same kind of expectations. Um, all of those factors are not within our control, which is why we tell our athletes not to focus on them. Okay, well, we had a guy come in. So Tim Prescott was national champ that year. And, and then the next, and so the next year when they repeated as national champs, um, Brett Velasquez was a, was a freshman, and he had to actually beat Tim Prescott in wrestling. Both are great guys, by the way. They say great things about wrestling mindset. We're still, you know, fairly close with both of them. Um, Brett had to, so they had to wrestle off to see who was going to go into the NCAA tournament. And and now Tim Prescott being a defending national champ, it's like he would have probably gotten the top seed, right? So it seems like maybe for the team, that's the bet, that's the better route. Well, they wrestle off to see, you know, to see who the better man is, you know, that day, maybe not every day. And, um, and Brett winds up beating him, right? So to, to get to the NCAAs, he has to beat the defending national champ in the wrestle-off. Okay, he does that. Now what happens? Well, he's unseated, right? Because he doesn't have the same credentials as, 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 as Tim did. Okay, goes into the NCAAs unseated and winds up storming through the tournament, winning the NCAAs as a true freshman. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And, 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 both, and both Tim and Brett, class acts, nothing but support, love for one another. It was awesome. So they win national, they win, they win the NCAA championships as a team, D two national championships. Brett Velasquez, NCAA champ, and so that means now they they owned St. Cloud State. Not only you know owned the past two years of Division two wrestling as a team, but they also own that one twenty five pound weight class with Tim Prescott and Brett, Brett Velasquez. Now what happens once you win an NCAA title? They put a microphone in your face. So if you think a lot of people are nervous to wrestle in front of a crowd. We find that a lot of athletes are even more nervous to speak in front of a crowd. Well, now they put the microphone in the face of Brett and they ask him, you know, how did you, you know, how did you do it? Unseated, coming in as a freshman, had adversity throughout the year, you know, didn't start a lot of the year, obviously. And and he said, and the first thing he's thinking after the biggest win of his life, our team does a lot of mindset training. You know, I wasn't focused on records and rankings. The first thing that's coming into his head after he wins a national title. Of course he worked hard. Of course, you know, it's it's the strength training. It's the conditioning. Of course it's the technique. But what's going on in his mind is he's reminding the minds he's reminded of the mindset that he's been doing. Because that's what all ultimately helped push him over the top, taking a good wrestler and making him a great wrestler. So Save Cloud State, that, that was a real exciting story. And and the lesson there is that, hey, it all starts with the phone call, it all starts in maybe a pizza parlor. They took the step, coach took the step to reach out to us, come over to us while we were eating, and we talked about working with this team, and I've had a great, unbelievable, working, loving relationship with St. Cloud State for the past five or six years. It's been unbelievable. And this past year, they won another NCAA championship. So three out of the last five years have been working with them. They've been NCAA champs. It's, it's, it's been a tremendous success. So great relationship right there. Two seniors in high school, a couple of years ago, again, in Jersey, I was working with two wrestlers that were in the same weight class. It happens. You know what I mean? Uh, mindset, mindset training getting, you know, bigger and bigger and wrestling mindset getting bigger and bigger. Even back then, a few years ago, you start to work with some people who were on the same team, 
on opposing teams. I've worked with two wrestlers who had to wrestle off in practice. And, and in this situation, it was two wrestlers who met first round of the state tournament. Now, they both qualified for the states. And there was like a 1 in 8 or 1 in 16 chance that they would hit each other first round. Um, I don't think either of them won the region. So I think they are both second and third in their, in their respective regions. So the way it works is uh, number two from one region wrestles number three from a different region at that point in time. I don't know exactly how it is now. Nonetheless, now none of the wrestlers knew it. Neither of the wrestlers knew that I worked with the other one. So I'm hoping that they don't have to hit each other first round just because I would like to see them separate and then, them, and then have them you know, meet later on in the tournament, not go first round. So I'm like, all right, there's a pretty good chance they won't wrestle. And sure enough, <laughs> as luck would have it, they, they, they hit each other first round. So now these are two guys that I know really well, really care about both of them, and they're up against each other first round. All right. Well, if, if you've been with us at the Wrestling Mindset for any amount of time, you know that, or you've been following our stuff, you know that we don't change our advice based on who we're speaking with. Okay, so the advice that I would give, you know, you as a wrestler, or your kid as a wrestler, or your team as wrestlers, is no different than I would give myself, my brothers back when they were competing, um, our opponents, our kids, like, it's just the same exact thing. You, you give the same advice because, I mean, of course, each person you deal with them a little bit differently, but you don't change, you don't, you don't, you're not talking about, you're speaking mindset principles, mindset lessons, mindset philosophy, you'd be telling each kid the same thing. So it's not like you're telling one kid, oh, hey, this person has this weakness, you want to exploit that. No, we're not talking about that. We're saying focus on yourself, focus on the factors within your control. Okay. Week of the state tournament, states begin on Friday. This is a Monday night. I have both of the kids almost back-to-back -back on the phone. Neither of them know I'm working with the other one. Told them both the same thing. It's the week of the state tournament. Now, um, peaking, right? Just like we peak uh, technically, we peak uh, you know, with our training and peaking with our mindset. It's a little bit different towards the end of the year. Not that we want to raise the importance. We understand it's the state tournament. Obviously, you've been training for this the whole year, so we don't tell ourselves that, right? But we can start. We can start um, approaching this from a peaking mentality. Okay. So I told both wrestlers, look, all the work has been done. There's nothing more that you need to do. You know, I mean, getting good. You know, good eating this week, good sleep this week, train hard. Big thing we tend to see the week of the states, people try to get a lot of extra workouts in. A lot of people looking trying to cram in extra workouts just because it's more of like mentally they feel better knowing that they've got these extra workouts in. I think that's overall a mistake because all the work has been in the bank. I remember back at Penn, Zeke Jones used to say to us, um, he used to say, it's, you know, put it in the bank, put it in the bank. So then at the end of the season, uh, you can make that big withdrawal, right? Well, now it's time to make the withdrawal, right? Your last week of the season. Um, now we can start not toning down the intensity, but we don't need to be ramping up the volume. Told both wrestlers, don't, don't do a lot of extra work because they both asked me, should I be going to my club this week or should I be doing extra lifts and everything? And I said, no, I would recover this week. In practice, train as hard as you possibly can. If you want to get a lift in this week, that's fine. Do it early in the week. Knock that all out and don't get extra workouts in. Now, I know from talking to both of these guys that one of them listened to my advice, the other one didn't, okay? Now, again, we're not perfect, but we've seen this enough times, and I've lived through this stuff and made these mistakes on my own, seen many wrestlers make this mistake. Now, working with tens and thousands of wrestlers, you start to see some patterns develop. And 
one guy listened, the other guy didn't. The other guy was getting a lot of extra workouts. The other one, you know, did his practices, went hard, but recovered throughout the week. They wrestled first round of the state tournament, and the guy who was well-rested wound up winning the match in either overtime or double overtime. Overtime or double overtime. So what does that tell you? That was anyone's match. Anyone could have won that match. That was a toss-up, basically. And I can't help but think, I know there's many different factors, but I can't help but think, this guy rested himself this week. This guy had the discipline to do what his mindset coach tell, told him, and the other guy didn't, kind of going off his, off his own opinion with that. And it might have bit him. So the other guy wound up taking fifth, the guy who actually listened. So, you know, when you're looking at, when you're looking at those neck-and-neck -neck matches, the margin for error is so small. We want to be doing all things right mentally. So that's why every, all these little pieces of advice we give, all these exercises, all these worksheets, you never know when it's going to come up. And it usually comes up at a bad time. Or not a bad time, it comes up at a critical moment. And if we're listening, if we're doing the things, if you're doing the things we're saying, you have that success. If not, sometimes it leads to the, you know, these other negative outcomes. So that's exactly what happened right there. Next story, uh, the Joe Grello story. So wrestler Rutgers right now, well on his way to being an All-American um, in these upcoming years. So we started working with him a few years back. And the story was, they wound, they wound up coming over to us, worked with Bergen Catholic for a while. I point over that way because I'm in, I'm in New York City right now. When I point to this side, I could see New Jersey right out from my window from the apartment. Um, and Bergen Catholic isn't far over the bridge. Um, started working with him. He came to us. Uh, before his junior, uh, the September of his junior year, now he placed in the states as a sophomore, but came to us. Now he was one of the top ranked guys in the state. And we always see, like when we're aware of rankings, it makes us nervous. It's not just him; it's all of us. Okay, so came to us in like September and basically said that you know this was this was he, he was feeling he wasn't enjoying wrestling. He felt more pressure than he ever had before in his life. Right, the first time you place in the state, it's kind of like oh, that's you know this is a great thing. There wasn't that expectation. The next year, now people are expecting you to place, which means, you know, you're supposed to win all your matches or pretty much all your matches and do even better than you did before. Or so we think. That's why we don't want to focus on records, rankings, seedings, or predictions. Okay, so comes to us in September saying he's more nervous than he's ever been before in wrestling. Um, got, we, we spoke to his dad, Mr. Grell, great man. Got him on the program, started working with us weekly. Again, in September. So the great thing is we had time between then and the end of the season, started started talking regularly, um, and one of the one of the great lessons that we spoke about was uh, well, he works with Jeff. So when I say we, I mean you know the us as a, as a program. Uh, one of, one of the lessons he really liked was our lesson uh, present moment week two, which is writing out the people we think about, writing down the people we think about letting down because we all do that, right? Who are we afraid of letting down, and who else are we, and who are we trying to look good in front of, and then also. Um, writing down a statement saying you wrestle for yourself. In other words, I'm not wrestling because you know, um, you know, I know I want to look good in front of my my friends and family. Um, I don't. I'm not trying to let down my dad or my, or my parents or look good in front of my younger brothers. Right? Those are the kind of natural things we say. I know that's what I thought. Um, well, he wrote down those people he was afraid of letting down and people he was trying to look good in front of. Wrote down a statement. Um, you know, I wrestle for myself and on and on, right? He made it personalized for himself, just like we do in that lesson. And he said he liked that lesson. I tell that, uh, talk about that lesson because he said that was his favorite. I know a lot of our wrestlers really like that because they're carrying all this weight on their back. It's like run, It's like trying to run your best mile while carrying a 45-pound weight. 
you're never going to beat your best time for, for a timed mile if you're carrying a 45-pound weight from the weight room, right? You need to set the weight down. So that's what, we, that's what we do with that lesson. We help them set that weight down. Everyone who I'm thinking about letting down or looking good in front of, I'm setting it down and I'm wrestling for myself. Okay, so that was, that was just an example of, of, you know, like we said, it was his favorite lesson. Fast forward now to March. We're in the state semifinals. Okay, state semifinals. And again, you, you rewind back to, to September. He was feeling more pressure than he ever had before. Wasn't enjoying the sport. Okay, we're in the state semifinals. Jeff and I are up inside the crowd. My brother Jeff, we're, we're, watching, this, we're watching his match. We're watching him right before he's going out to wrestle in the semifinals. Biggest match of his life at the, up until this point. And he's with Coach Bell. They're laughing in the corner, smiling and laughing. I'm always looking at these guys before their matches because usually it's pretty telling. Um, what they're, you could see how they're probably going to perform based on their demeanor before the match. So Jeff and I are watching them warm up, smiling with Coach Bell, laughing. And I remember saying to Jeff, it's like, man, no matter how this match goes, no matter how he does, of course we want him to win, but no matter how it goes, I'm happy right now. He came to us six months ago, whatever the math is on that, and he said he was, he was nervous, he wasn't enjoying wrestling. Now he's actually in a match that most people are the most nervous for, and he's smiling and laughing, having a good time, enjoying himself. I said, Jeff, no matter what happens in this match, that's a win right there. That's, that's a win for, for him as a person. That's a win for him as, as their family. And that's a win for wrestling mindset, right? So we're detaching from the outcome. We're focusing on, you know, um, getting the most out of the individual, not just if they win or if they lose. Well, not only does he go on to win that match, but he pulls off one of the biggest upsets in the state tournament, coming from behind, beating another uh, I think the top-ranked guy in the state the whole year, the guy took second in the state the year before, wound up going on to wrestle um, you know, in college after that, still competes in college, pulls off a big upset and wins. So that was an unbelievable success story. But I, wanna, but I really want to make the point the success story is not because he won a state title or that he then went on to win another state title the next year and that now he's doing really well wrestling at Rutgers University. The success story is 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 overcoming obstacles it's getting more out of yourself than you had in the past right he put the onus on himself to improve himself knew there was an area he needed to work on did it and got better and improved so that was excellent so hats off to him that was a great story two brothers that we work with anytime you're dealing with brothers it becomes difficult okay but not difficult but it's there's another dynamic that's added to it. If you're just dealing with a single wrestler from a family, it's one thing. When you have two brothers that are competing at the same time, it adds another dynamic. And I know this firsthand with my brother Jeff always being on my team. And especially when you know you have two brothers that are, that are pretty good, right? So in, in high school, uh, Jeff was 103, I was 140. And, and so, you know, he, he would wrestle and there'd be a couple matches and then I would be up. In college, when we were at the University of Pennsylvania, he was actually after me. I was 157, he was 165, but that was only for, for a little while. Um, okay, so two wrestlers that we worked with, and we see this, we've worked with many sets of twins. It's not easy because you're constantly comparing your, yourselves to one another, and also you're usually wrestling back-to-back, -back, used to wrestling back-to-back. -back. And we saw in this situation, and we know this, so one of the lessons that we'd constantly give to brothers, especially twins, is do not watch your brother wrestle right before you go out there. It's got to be one of the hardest things in the world to do. It was hard enough not to watch my brother. Now imagine if you, if you, if you had a twin who was, or, or now imagine if you pushed Jeff right before me. That would have been real hard to do. Um, so we highly recommend that our wrestlers 
do not watch their brother if they're weight class or two below or even before they're out there. Focus on yourself. And in fact, we just met the Bella Glassoff brothers who were twins from, from uh, Russia. Um, they competed for the Soviet Union um, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s. We met them, we spoke to them, and they wrestled back-to-back -back in the Worlds and Olympic Championships, and they said you know, the exact same thing. Like when, when Anatoly, the lighter one, was competing, Sergey, the heavier one, was not watching him. He was focused on himself. Yeah, you love your brother, you want him to win, but you can't, you can't think about him. You know, it had to have been the same thing with the Brands brothers, with the Steiner brothers. You know, many, many examples of this. All right, so it's a common dynamic. And I even remember, like, um, um, my friends Gerard and Andrew. They were twin brothers. Gerard runs Joker Wrestling Club now in Madison, New Jersey. I remember Gerard saying that, you know, well, Gerard was lighter and Andrew was heavier. And I remember um, their dad, Mr. Prez, would say that, you know, when Gerard lost, then Andrew would be real mad when he would go out there and wrestle. Um, you know, trying to, like, avenge the brother's loss. Now, the sentiment is good, like, emotionally. I get what's going on there. But at the same time, you're, you're hurting yourself because you're letting these outside factors that have nothing to do with your match play an impact, play a role in your match, which isn't good. Remember, your opponent doesn't care about who's wrestling before. Your opponent doesn't care if, if, you're, if your brother's wrestling, your twin, or anything like that. So we don't want to focus on that. And, you know... Kind of giving like a you know a little runaround with the story, a couple different examples here and there, just to lead up to this, just to show how you know how frequently we mess up with this. But I remember even my senior year of college or senior year of high school, my mom spoke to me before the districts and the regions and the states and said, you know, it's like you're wrestling a full match before you get out there. Like the the extent that I was cheering for my brother and rooting him on and coaching him when he was about to wrestle, um, it's too much. It's too much. Like you're you're wearing yourself down. She was like. You love Jeff, let him do his thing, let him focus on himself, or let him let him wrestle his match, you know, and then you focus on yourself. She's like, this is your senior year, just focus on yourself. Doesn't matter, looking back, it doesn't matter if it's your senior year or not. It's you're trying to get the most out of yourself. Don't focus on your brother's match when you're warming up, right? She was right, great mindset lesson. Okay, so years later, we're working, we're working with the two wrestlers, brothers, back-to-back -back matches, and the lighter brother is in a barn burner. He might have been in overtime. The other brother is on the other mat and, and about to be wrestling because the state tournament, it's like they go one weight class all the way through and then the next weight class comes up. So in other words, he's waiting for his match to come up and he's coaching his brother from his mat in the quarterfinals of the states. Right away, I'm like, oh man, we're not, we're not, doing, we're not executing the game plan. I get it. Emotionally, you want your brother to win and the brother did actually wind up winning. But you're wasting energy. And meanwhile, I'm looking at his opponent, and his opponent's just pacing around in his own head, doesn't care about that match. We wind up losing by a point that match. So, so the lighter brother wins. The heavier brother who is watching him winds up losing by a point that match. Now, again, the reason why we lose is many. It doesn't just all come down to one thing. But I can't help but think in a match that's neck and neck where anything could have made the difference, if we weren't focused on that match, if we weren't focused on our brother, and we were in our own head, we might have had more energy, we might have had more, um, less stress, we'd have been more focused, we'd have been more likely to win. In the wrestlebacks, we wound up not even placing. It was a loaded weight, absolutely, probably the toughest weight in that state tournament. We wound up not placing. And the guy who beats us winds up losing by a point in the state finals to the eventual, to the, to the eventual state champ um, who we beat last year. So... It's one of those things where the difference between possibly being a state champ and not placing is so small, 
and we don't know what could make the difference. So the lesson here is that if you have a brother who's on the team, or if you have, a, or, or just good friends, sometimes we cheer on our friends too much, we cheer on the team too much. And we, I'm very strong advocate of don't focus on the team when you're warming up. Of course, be a good teammate, be positive, be supportive, reinforce the lessons that, that, we've, that we've talked about in our mindset training. But don't get emotionally attached to what's going on in that match when you're warming up. Shouldn't be looking up at the team score. I've seen it hurt too many people. You know, one of our Blair wrestlers, he watched, he, he stood on the mat, basically on Matt's side, watched each one of his wrestlers win a conference championship or the qualifying tournament up for the prep nationals, watched each of his guys win the match. And then, we're, and unfortunately, didn't do his pre-match routine. He gets out there, starts off slow, and then winds up coming back later on in the match, but it was too little too late. But what happened there? He's watching each one of his teammates win. He's getting real into the match. He's not focused on himself. And then we start thinking to ourselves, what if I'm the only guy to lose? What if I break the streak? I don't want to be the only schmuck not to win. Right? Those are natural thoughts. I get it. We hear with wrestlers all the time. But it's because we're, he was getting more emotionally involved in his team rather than focusing on himself. If you focus on yourself, the best result's going to happen for the team. Okay, you're going to help the team the most by getting yourself mentally ready to compete. My recommendation is if you want to cheer on the team, if you want to coach your team up, do it after you get done wrestling. But before you wrestle, you got to emotionally detach. Arnold Schwarzenegger talked about this too, that when he was at his bodybuilding competitions, if you ever saw the documentary Pumping Iron, you look at that, he says that he, said that he had to become emotionally cold when he was at, the, when he was at his bodybuilding competition. So... His girlfriend breaks up with him. Someone steals his car. He doesn't care, right? Emotionally detaching so he can use all that mental and emotional energy out there when he's competing. We always use the cell phone battery analogy. You only have so much battery in your phone. I was at like 40%. Now I'm at 89%. That's good. But you only have so much energy in your phone, and then eventually it dies, right? Well, same thing with ourselves. You only have so much physical, mental, and emotional energy within yourself, and then eventually you run out. So you have to conserve your physical, mental, and emotional energy as much as possible. And stress will zap more, it'll zap more energy out of you than a two or three hour practice. We've seen it over and over. Think about some of the matches where you got tired in the first 30 seconds after the first scramble. Chances are it wasn't because you were out of shape. I'm sure you probably go through two hour, two and a half hour practices, three hour practices, and you're pretty good the whole time, right? Well, what is it? It's we're nervous the whole day. We're thinking about the match the whole time. We're wearing ourselves out physically, mentally, and emotionally. And now we don't have as much energy to go out there and compete. So don't waste that energy focusing on a, a friend, a family member, a teammate. Get yourself, get yourself ready to go. So lessons learned. And since then, they've been improving on that. They've been getting even better. Uh, the mindset principles. So this is, this is something we do with all of our teams. Every team that we work, we do, we do this with rec teams. We do this with our high school teams. We do this with our college teams. We do this with the Olympic team. We work with them. We don't, we don't just jump right into a lesson. The first thing we do, just like they do at a martial arts dojo, you know, military, in church, you stand to do the creed every week. Um, you say your principles, your core beliefs, who you are. You look at the greatest warriors of all time, the Spartans, the Samurai, the Aztecs, the U.S. military, right? the early Christian martyrs. What do they have in common? They know what they believe, and they're willing to die for it. Those two things. The greatest warriors know what they believe, and they're willing to die for it. So 
if they could overcome the fear of death in, in battle, doesn't mean they're not afraid to die, but they're not, they're not crippled by the prospect of death. If they could overcome that fear of death, we could overcome that fear of losing and making mistakes, right? But we have to do what they do, take the lessons from history. So what do they do? They know, who they, they know who they are, they know what they believe. They go through their code, they say their code, they say their creed, right? They know who they are. So with us, before every mindset session with the team, we, before and after, and then we recommend they do this before and after every practice, anytime they're together, you go through the four mindset principles. Number one, I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. Number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. Number three, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four, I never, ever give up. We have them go through that before and after every practice, standing up as a team and going through it out loud. Seems a little bit strange or funny at first, a little bit weird, but that's mental reps, right? We get our technical reps when we drill. We get our strength reps when we lift the weights. How do we get our mental reps? These affirmations going through our code, our creed, just like the great warriors did. So we're not reinventing the wheel here. So they go through those mindset principles. You're getting mental reps. Takes 15 seconds to do, simple to do, but things that are things that are easy to do are also easy not to do. Right? I think that was the book, uh, The Slight Edge, that Jeff read. Things that are easy to do are easy not to do. And if you have two people that start off in about the same level, they have a good graph. I think you could Google it, uh, Google image like the, the Slight Edge, and you could see the graphs uh, or the um, or the diagram. If you do those, if you do the same thing, good habits and bad habits, you could have good habits and bad habits. And if you have two people that are about equal. They start off the same, but over time, a bigger and bigger gap happens, right? So if you keep having good habits, right away, it's not going to do too much for the person who has bad habits, but eventually you're going to start taking off in different directions. So it accumulates over weeks, over months, over years. You have that compound effect, okay? So we want to go through those mindset principles, get a lot of mental reps. If you do it just a few days, not, not much is going to happen. A week, eh, couple weeks, better, months. Now we're talking about some improvement. You do that for a year, you're going to be a changed person. So with this story, with going through those mindset principles, two NCAA champs, one Division two, one Division three. Excellent. So first I think of DeAndre Johnson from Limestone College. Unseated, goes in, knocks off the top seed, wins the OW. This is not this past year, but the year before that. Wins the NCAA champs, um, after being either unseated or, or eighth seated, something like that, N-O-W the tournament. What happens after they win the NCAAs? They put a microphone in your face. Now you have to speak in front of people. Our man still got a sweat going, and the very first thing he said to the camera, one of the first things he said with the camera was, we do a lot of mindset training as a team, and I had no fear of losing or making mistakes. Our mindset principle number three, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. Right? They could over. He was able to overcome that fear of losing, by knowing who he was and knowing what he believed. So being aggressive and taking chances was more important to him than winning and losing. The way he competed was more important to him than winning and losing. And that's why I said we don't, you know, he doesn't think about rankings or records or seedings or predictions. He said it in the interview. We have it on tape. And it was just really a great thing. But it's because, again, biggest match of his life, and he's thinking about his mindset, the lessons that he learned with the mindset training. It's because it was beat into his head. So he became programmed. You become like, you know, robot where you, where you not, not a complete robot, but like you're, you're able to recall those lessons in your sleep. You're able to, you, when, when you're not thinking, they just pop into your head. When you're in that, that, um, that moment of truth, because you practiced it so many times, 
Now it's second nature to you. And that's exactly what it was with him. Fast forward to this year, Ben Brisman, NCAA champ from Ithaca. Now we worked with this high school team, Pascac Hills, multiple years. And same thing, going through the mindset principles before and after every practice. He wins the NCAA championship this past year. Um, pretty big upset. And what does he say? I was thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. Mindset principle number one. Again, just won an NCAA title. Still has a singlet on. And what's he thinking about? The mindset lessons that he learned. It's two years in a row that we've been seeing that. Recalling our mindset principles right after we win the match. And there's high-level examples of that, too. Look at Kyle Snyder. After he won the Olympics, what did he say? In his interview, right after the Olympics, he probably said it a half a dozen times within 10 minutes, I was just thankful for the opportunity to compete. I was thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. Right? So he's aware of his principles. He's aware of who he is as a person. And because of that, you have less fear of losing or making mistakes because you know who you are. And that self-image, we talk about that. You have to know who you are first. Because if you know who you are, winning and losing doesn't change that. And that's a big mistake athletes make. We don't know who we are, so success and failure defines us. So I'm scared then. If, if, if my success defines me, then I can't fail. Failing is a bad thing. But if I know who I am, if I know what's important to me, and I know that doesn't change whether or not I win or lose, I become a free man. I could, I could set that weight down, and I could run hard. Right? Like we said with that strength training analogy, picking up the weight versus putting it down. One of our wrestlers uh, back in you know, a few years ago, New Jersey, high school wrestler, uh, we got him before his senior year. Never went to the States. Coaches were saying he's one of the most talent, talented wrestlers in the room at, at his club, but he gets way too nervous before he competes. He's a, they said he was a, a, what we call a practice room wrestler. Competes far better in practice than he does in competition. We see that a lot. I was guilty of it. This guy was in that boat. Okay. So, going through the mindset lessons, talking about different things, what he what he tells himself before and after matches. And one of the lessons we do, we have three best matches, three worst matches. So this is self-knowledge week two, and we have them write down what exactly were you thinking before and during your best mat your best three matches? Because we want to try to find the pattern. What's the underlying theme? What's, is, is there any kind of underlying thread with all those three best matches? What were you doing? What were you telling yourself? So thoughts, emotions, behaviors, actions. What were you doing before your best three matches? And what were you telling yourself? And then on the other side, worst matches. Different piece of paper. What were you thinking, feeling, doing, telling yourself? What happened before your three, your three worst competitions? And if you can't think of, like, if you're really, I think in this, kid, in this kid's situation, he really didn't have many... Um, great matches. He, he, he said he wrestled far better in practice than he ever did in his best matches. I believe that was the case. So we had him write down, what are you doing and telling yourself before going live in practice versus what are you doing and telling yourself um, what, are you, what are you doing and telling yourself before your worst matches? Or, yeah, some of your worst matches. And he wrote them down and we noticed that before his matches, one of the things he said just kind of in passing, he was like, and then at this, you know, First he does this, he stretches, he does the shadow drilling, then his dad gives him his pre-match talk, then he does this, hold up, stop, stop the presses, back it up a second. What did you say about your dad's pre-match talk? Tell me more about that. So we picked up on that, because right away I thought, his dad's giving him a pre-match talk. My first instinct was, I bet the dad isn't talking to him before he goes live in practice, and that might be the difference. 
that might be that, that little gold nugget piece of information. Sometimes it's very small. If you pick up on that little thing that you're changing and then don't do that, you're going to have success very quickly. So ask him about it. And, and, and indeed, I was right. His dad was not speaking to him before he would go live and practice. But before he'd go live in matches, his dad, his dad would always sit down with him and have a talk, like a, like a motivational speech or telling him what he should be thinking, what he should be doing. So I said, well, why don't we change that? Why don't we have your, why don't we not have that talk? <laughs> you know, explain to your dad. And I'd be, you know, and so he, you know, the dad, myself, you know, and the wrestler, we spoke about it. Hey, we're not going to do his, the dad's pre-match talk anymore before he goes out there. Like if he wants to talk to his son, do it before the event. But don't do it while the event's going on, and certainly not right before his match. Okay, so he did that, wound up becoming a county champ, and that year qualifying for the state tournament in his life, and finally started wrestling his best. Why? Because changing those little things and getting that mind right, not having that pre-match talk with his dad. And it's not saying the dad was trying to hurt him. The dad had nothing but the best intentions. And the kid even liked the dad's talk because, you know, he felt like, oh, my, you know, my, dad's, uh, my dad cares about me. He's supporting me. But is that what he needs? Is that what's going to help him bring out his best? And in this case, we found that that answer was no. It was actually hurting him. So we stopped, so we stopped doing that. Small changes. The lesson there is small changes could have a big impact with mindset. Huge. Far more than far more than one exercise. You know, you can't just do one exercise and then all of a sudden once and then all of a sudden have that kind of impact with your strength gains. And it's the same with technique. It's not like, you know, sometimes you know, just you have to practice the move over and over and over. But with mindset, if you if you isolate certain variables, changes could happen real quick. Um, of course, there is a lot of mindset you have to work on over time, but some changes can happen very fast. It's just it's just a shift in your focus. Kevin Mulligan, Rutgers wrestler uh, now, and he was two-time New Jersey State champ. He was, I think he won the um, that tournament down south, what is it, um, Super 32, where he took second there. Yeah, Fargo All-American, really accomplished just about everything he could in high school, you know, that, that you know, had an you know, all-star high school career, and now college over at Rutgers, worked with them since he was probably like a, I don't know, freshman, sophomore in high school, something like that. Great lesson with him is... Um, we always spoke about not focusing on your opponent, who he is, what he's done in the past, who he's beat, who he's lost to. So he had a, he had a real good system of what he would tell himself for all of his opponents. So instead of thinking about the, the opponent's name, because a lot of times we wrestle the name, not the, not the opponent. How many times do we do that? I don't wrestle the body. I wrestle the name. Guilty of that over and over. Whoever he was wrestling, he called them Walsh. And he just made up a name in his head. He was like, you know, the kid's name is Walsh. Now I didn't realize he was doing that. I would just tell him about how, you know, don't don't focus the don't focus on the person, um, who, what their name is. Just just wrestle, just wrestle like you'd wrestle anyone else. So one of the things he did was he just named all the wrestlers in his head Walsh. So he was always wrestling Walsh. Now he didn't even tell me that exactly that he was doing that, but I figured it out at Super Thirty Twos. His grandpa asked. His grandpa came out. You know, came down to North Carolina. And, and asked him who he's wrestling. And, and I remember, like, looking at him. I remember looking at Kevin, like, what's he going to say? I wonder what he's going to tell, you know, his grandpa. Like, where, number one, does he know who he's wrestling? Did he look at the brackets? Because we say, you know, don't look at the racket. The brackets, don't focus on that. Um, you don't need to know that. And right away, he told his grandpa, Walsh. And then he walked away. 
and his and I and then I'm looking at the grandpa. The grandpa was flipping through the book through, through his um, through grandson's bracket through Kevin's bracket, and he's like, Walsh, Walsh, Walsh. He's like, I don't see Walsh. And then it hit me. I was like, he just gave his grandpa any name, <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious, right? He didn't. He just he just gave his grandpa the random name that he calls all of his opponents. So now the point there is he's not getting caught up in the opponent. He's focused on himself. No matter who he's wrestling, he's going to wrestle them the same. So Walsh was as good a name as any. That's the name he gave, and that's who. And that's and that's who. Um, in his mind, he'd go out there and wrestle an imaginary Walsh, and that, that was just a great lesson. And, um, you know, served him really well. I think he wrestled his best in high school. I think he wrestled his best matches in the biggest matches of the season. Like state finals, at Fargo, at Super 32. In the biggest tournaments of the year, he wrestled his best. Now, a lot of people say there, wow, man, he really stepped up. He picked it up. Like, he really kicked it into high gear. Like, a lot of people at the end of the year think, like, I got to kick it up a notch. No. What it actually was is... I think what it came down to is he didn't change. He changed less than his opponents did. He kept things the same. And because he didn't change anything, he wound up bringing out his best when a lot of times his opponents didn't because kept it consistent. He was wrestling Walsh. Next, I have Rucker's pre-match routine. Okay, so the story with that is Rucker's is another team we were working with for quite a few years. Um, started working with them, and then the, the second year we worked with them, a lot of times it's the second year we work with the team that really it starts to kick in for the team because now they're used to our philosophies, um, they've heard our lessons, they're aware of the main principles, they're, they're aware of a lot of the things we talk about. Um, it's usually just even better in the years to come. You know, the first year is great, and then years to come winds up getting better and better. You've been seeing, like, Rutgers have been doing awesome, right? So with Rutgers, second year we were working with them, we taught them about the pre-match routine. One of the things they struggle with, like just about everyone, first, um, like just about anyone struggles with, was um, tending to get the most nervous 15 to 20 minutes right before they go out there and compete. So when they're on deck, right? Or when they're on deck, or when they're on double deck, triple deck, or in some some states they say in the hole instead of on deck, right? A shout out to our Wisconsin people. I think that's what they say, and I think maybe even most of the country. I don't know. What, is, what, what do we know? In New Jersey, we think everyone's like us, right? So um, we took them through the pre-match routine. Four key ingredients to a great pre-match routine. Dynamic stretching, deep breathing, hands-on drilling, and an element of fun. Went through that, took them through that whole lesson, and what did they do? They made sure they implemented it. Not only did they go through the lesson, but they, but they, they had practices on days they were off, the coaches brought them in the room. I remember hearing that Donnie Pritzloff brought them into the into the practice room. In 20 minutes, they went through their pre-match routine. Like that was their practice. They were off the mats. That well, they were off the mats in terms of physically practicing that day. They were in the room. They went through the pre-match routine, and then they were out the door. And what happened? Great results, right? You're able to once once you once you plan that pre-match routine and you know exactly what you're going to do, and you practice it over and over, so you can't just go through the pre-match routine once and expect that it's going to always work. You have to practice it on a consistent basis. In fact, when I was at Rutgers, so I was at Rutgers my first three years of college. The last two years, I was at the University of Pennsylvania. I transferred over, and um, my last year at Rutgers, my third year at Rutgers, my redshirt sophomore year, I practiced my pre-match routine a lot. I learned it about it in um, first sports psychology, sport, first sports psychology book I ever read, uh, Dr. Don Green, um, fight your fears and win. Talked about having a, a pre-competition routine 
and how it quiets your mind down, you're less stressed, you're more likely to go out there and succeed. Okay, so uh, put together that pre-match routine and practiced it multiple times during the week at home, in my bedroom, in my basement, outside, you know, in, in the practice room. I would sometimes even go, when, when Rutgers uh, competed at the barn at the College Ave Gym, I used to go in there after practice and I would go exactly where we'd warm up as a team. So this is something wrestlers, wrestlers can do. If you know where you compete, practice doing your pre-match routine exactly where you're going to do that in competition. So practicing it over and over, you start feeling like a million bucks. I really felt like I was at, if you want to call it, like I was at my center. Like I was at my happy place, right? I just got so used to doing that pre-match routine. It felt very comfortable. You feel like you're home. So instead of feeling like all the stress of being at a match, since I practiced it so many times at home too, now I felt like when I do my pre-match routine, I'm at home. So that was, that was a great thing. Anyway, we taught Rutgers about that, taught them about those four key ingredients, as well as some other tips that we have with the pre-match routine. They practiced it on their own. Did their best season ever qualified alt and you know this is right this was actually the year they joined that was the year they joined the Big Ten. And I remember everyone thought like, you know, they're gonna be the laughing stock of the Big Ten. And then after that happened, well no one was laughing then because, you know, they went out, they beat Cornell that year. All ten of their teams qualified, all ten of their athletes, all ten of their wrestlers qualified for the NCAA tournament. So everyone in the starting lineup made the NCAA tournament. They were like one of like two or three teams in the whole country that did that. Like we said, they they beat Cornell that year. It was they two All-Americans for the first time ever in program history. Um, just an unbelievable success. But it comes down to they learned the lesson, and then they were practicing it on a regular basis on their own. It wasn't just treating wrestling mindset as motivational speaking, which we're not. You have to do the mindset worksheets. You have to do the exercises and activities that we give you, and then practice it over and over. Rutgers did that, and they kept getting better and better. Still looks like there's no end in sight for them. Awesome stuff. This year had their first national finals with Nick Suriano, right? also a Bergen Catholic guy, team we've been working with for a while. Last story, the 10th story, going through 10 stories today, and that is um personal story with our brother Greg, future father Greg. He's in the seminary three years, three more, three years already in, three years left to be a priest. Okay, so um, story with him was going to the States his senior year. So he Greg did not make the States. He was in tough weights, really tough weights, his sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school. You know, New Jersey, you're just, you know, like many other states, many other areas, sometimes your area is always very tough. Your district is always tough. Your region's always tough. Greg was a guy like this who <laughs> tended to draw a short straw with always having a difficult weight. Okay, so he he didn't qualify for the states till his senior year. He was good enough to, but, you know, different factors, stacked weight, didn't, you know, didn't wind up quite qualifying. Going into the, one of the things I remember back when Jeff was competing, so I'm the oldest, then, there, then two years between me is, is Jeff, and then four years between Jeff is, is Greg, right? So it's me, Jeff, and Greg, two-year split, four-year split, so me and Greg is a six-year split. Okay, so when Jeff wrestled at the state tournament, which is back in 04, and then Greg wrestled in the state, his first state tournament was 2008, I forgot that I did this, but I brought Greg down into the into you know I gave him one of the one of the passes to come down with me to see where the guys were warming up to watch where they were where they were doing their their pre-match routines um, see where the coaches are see where the wrestlers sit right don't just be a spectator but get ground level so you could see firsthand what's going on with all the wrestlers and 2008 Greg senior year where he 
not only not only went to the states, but then placed second. So not even going to the states was two and out in the regions the year before, and then being second in the state his senior year. Um, one of the things, one of the points he made mention to me during the, the state tournament because I was down there, I was helping him, I was help coaching him and everything, and he said, "This is not the first time I'm down here." Now I forgot that I brought him down earlier because this isn't the first time I've been down here, and I'm like, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "You took me down here when Jeff was competing, so four years prior." And then I didn't, I didn't remember that I brought him down there, but I remember, but I thought of the reason why because I was always kind of like a natural like mentor and teacher to my brothers. Um, I figured the reason why I probably did that is so he's so he's been there before, so he's used to it. So I asked Greg at that point, I'm like, do you know why I brought you down here? And he's like, so when I do get here myself, I know I've already been here before. And that's the mental edge. So if you get what I'm, what I'm saying there, it's when you go to these tournaments, like if, if you're per, if, if you're you have a region tournament or a district tournament that you know you're going to be competing in next year, and maybe you didn't wrestle in that tournament uh, the, the previous year or ever before, go to that tournament not as a spectator but as a participant with the participant's mindset. And this was a great lesson that Don Ernst, my personal coach back in high school, he used to say that all the time. Like if you're watching, go to the state tournament. If you're a kid, go to the state tournament and watch. But don't go there with a, with a spectator mindset. Go there with a participant mindset. In other words, think to yourself, I'm going to be here in the future. See where the kids are warming up. Okay, that's going to be me warming up down there. And here's the kid running out. That's going to be me running out. And those guys competing, that's going to be me out there. Treating the, treating the tournament as a participant. Okay, where do the guys weigh in? That's going to be me weighing in over there. And then this is going to be me eating over here. And then when I go, and my parents are going to probably be sitting over here. Our crowd tends to sit up here. So in other words, getting real comfortable in the environment that you're in or that getting real comfortable in the environment that you're going to be in. So, how would we how would we um, make that real practical for you? You want to wrestle in the NCAA tournament. You're still in high school. Go to the NCAA's. Go there with your with with your family or with friends and watch them. And when you're watching, don't watch with the mindset of a spectator. Watch with the mindset of a participant. Where are the guys warming up? That's going to be me. That's going to be me running out, and I'll probably be sitting over there eating. And, and this is where I'm good, you know, and then, then I'm going to be wrestling on these mats and really mentally put yourself there. Sometimes it helps if you, if you key in on one wrestler and, and, and like living kind of vicariously through him, see how they're warming up and like treat it mentally. Like this is what I'm going to think when I'm in his shoes. And then this way, when you get there, just like my brother, Greg, you've been there before. And that's a major mental edge that you have. So those are 10 Ten great mindset stories that we've had, success examples, and takeaways that we've learned across the years. Um, again, the beauty of wrestling mindset, we've, we've been able to do something that counselors and therapists, like sports psychologists, um, sports therapists, they haven't had the same, they, they just have not had the same volume of wrestlers that we've worked with. We're not putting anyone down, we're just saying that a great advantage of being highly specific to wrestling is that we've seen things that most people won't see. We've seen patterns that have emerged over time by dealing with such a high volume of wrestlers. Again, tens and thousands of wrestlers, not just me, but our coaches around the, our mindset coaches around the country, the individuals we work with, the teams that we work with. That's why if you're, if you're a team, you're a team coach, make sure you get a hold of us so we can be working with your team this year. And it's not too early to start mindset training. We start minds, we do mindset training year round with teams. We have phase one and we have phase two. So phase one is more foundation mindset which is more geared towards 
mental toughness, goal setting, action planning, motivation, which right now that's what we're in with wrestling. We're in phase one. It's, you know, plenty of time before the season. So we're building that solid foundation, especially now with the summer coming up where kids are most likely to go off track and do things they shouldn't be doing and just getting lazier. That's phase one. Then once we enter the season, now that's phase two mindset training, geared more towards peak performance, relaxing under pressure, confidence. Just like there's different phases of a strength training program, there's different phases of a mindset program. So we do it all year round. If you're a team coach, make sure you get a hold of us. We could start working with your team right away. Individuals, any parents, make sure you get a hold of us. We could start working with your kid right away. If you're a wrestler, speak to your parents about it because we'd love to help you now and this is a great time to improve our mindset. You know, a lot of times we wait until the season. No good. Imagine waiting to start strength training until the season. Or imagine waiting until September to start working on your technique. That's not how the best athletes approach the sport technically or strength training wise. So we should treat it the same way with our mindset year round. It's something we've got to be doing regular, uh, you know, regularly on an, on an ongoing, consistent basis. We'll have more stories for you. These were just 10 great mindset stories, great success stories and examples that we've had from some of the wrestlers we worked with. We're going to be pumping out a lot more information. Make sure you stay up, stay with us, get in touch with us for free consultation over the phone. We're happy to help. WrestlingMindset.com. See you later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.